This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains or driving to the city, Summer adventures are nonstop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like X has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself Dave Walker and XWHU employee. It was an emotional roller coaster on Saturday where we witnessed a brilliant first half performance followed by a deflating second half that saw Man United take all three points. We'll be talking about the game before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons at the West Ham Way. X, I really thought we were in for a good night on Saturday, but it wasn't to be. What did you make of the game? Uh, to coin an old cliche, a game of two halves, wasn't it? I mean, the first half was one of the best halves I've seen West Ham play. Obviously, we didn't score enough goals, but in terms of the all-round performance, I thought it was absolutely superb. I thought we attacked brilliantly. I thought we were creative. We were pressing. Defence was solid. I thought it was a really, really good half, and I thought, my goodness, we like literally playing Man United off the park, but... As is always the case with West Ham, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking we've really got to take more than than the chance that we have, and that proved to be the case because then they came out second half, got a got a very controversial first goal, and then we just kind of sat back and they dominated, and that was that. 
Well, you're right. It was a game of two halves. I mean, we absolutely battered them in that first, didn't we? Absolutely yeah. battered them. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Uh, yes, they had more possession than we did, but they wasn't doing anything with it. And we were so direct and played with a purpose, and they just couldn't handle us. We were literally battering them. If only we'd gone in at half-time, 2 or 3 nil up, then I think we'd have won the game. But credit to Solskjaer. I mean, he comes under a lot of stick, but he's made two changes that has ultimately changed the game. I mean, Fernandes was outstanding when he came on, as was Rashford. And they looked a different side in the second half. And as good as our defence has been this season, they just had far too much quality for us. And it was just so disappointing, so disappointing. But that first goal, and you're quite right, it was controversial. I mean, fuck me, David Blunkett could have seen that one out of play. So <laughs> how was the referee, the linesman and VAR missed it? Um, well, firstly, I think VAR, I don't even think it's set up to do throw-ins, is it? I don't even know if they had the right technology to do it other than to replay it. Like, you know, with the offsides, they've got those lines and stuff. And then with the um, the goal line decisions, they've got the video replay so you can see where the ball bounced. Other than actually replaying the action, I don't think they've actually got the technology for the throw-ins, which is stupid. Um, but how they didn't see it anyway. It's clearly obvious that it went out and it was miles out. You can even, when you watch the replay, you can see Moyes appealing for it as it's above his head. Um, And it's funny because so many of us, like, were I saw people put out on Twitter, like, you know, what minute will Manchester United get a controversial VAR decision? Because it was, like, inevitable that it was going to happen, and it did. And, yes, it was a great finish, and, you know like you would have thought we could have maybe stopped it before then. But the bottom line is it was a throw in to us. So that changes the complete um, like direction of the game and the, and the attack and so on. And you never know if you get to a certain point at one nil, usually you can kind of hold on, but that really, really affected us. And again, annoying uh, VAR seems to have a point in every game now, but rarely for the right reasons. It's true. And do you know what was a shame about that as well? Is that Jared Bowen's closing down of the defender to pressurise him into kicking it out was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. And it was a shame, really. I mean, even David Moyes. David Moyes was applauding Jared Bowen, wasn't even watching the game. Because in his mind, he knew the ball had gone out. So he knew that Jared Bowen had pressured his man to making that mistake. So he's sitting there applauding him. And then he's turned around, double took, because it was saying, what the fuck? And even Jared Bowen's like, what, what are you doing? And they had the best view of it. Even Moy said he had the best view of it. But someone else that should have the best view of it is the linesman. And yeah. what I don't understand in this day and age is if we have to go to VAR for offside decisions, left, right and centre, and now we can't even rely on the linesman to tell us when the ball's gone out of play, a genuine question what is the fucking point of having linesmen? Yeah, I agree with you, mate. I don't think there is a point, really, because they don't really call the offsides anymore, like you say. They don't really decide the goal, whether the ball's gone in the goal or not. Um, so, yeah, other than deciding whether it's a throw-in or a foul, I guess, if it's particularly close to them, they don't particularly have a role to do at all. You could probably do the game now without linesmen, really. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think you're right. I mean, VAR, once again proven to be a waste of time because if match of the day can find some basic technology to prove that was out of play why can't VAR with the millions of pounds of investment that's gone into it yeah I know exactly it's just um it's just really really frustrating that they um that they don't seem to be able to have the technology to 
actually give the decisions correctly. Well, they do have, no, sorry, they do have the technology in most scenarios. But yeah, if match of the day can put it out then, why can't VAR put it out then? It's just, I don't know. There's just so much wrong with VAR at the moment. And it, it should have been an improvement to the game. But actually, it's not at all, really. It's a, it's a hindrance. It spoils the fun. Um, and when it, when decisions are, are that obvious and they're not given, what is the point? Mm, yeah, I know. It was a game of missed opportunities from our perspective in that first half, wasn't it? I mean, in particular, two chances from Fournells, one from Bowen, a painful missed opportunity from Halea. Was this unlucky or just simply not good enough? Um, I think Halea's was unlucky, I'm going to go with, because... Whilst I think he probably took too long on on what he was doing, if he'd not lost his feet, he probably would have scored. And it was a slip rather than a miss. For now, certainly the header. I thought he could have done better on. Um, and I think I think for now is a very difficult player to really get my opinions on because I think sometimes he does really really well and I really really like him and think he's a good player but then then other times I think he misses so many chances and he hasn't got the right attributes for the position he's been playing in um Alaire like I'm gonna go with unlucky on that one but part of me does think if it was Antonio he would have scored but you know I'm gonna go with unlucky what about you yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I think um, Fornell's header should have been better. Um, I don't think that was good enough. I, I think when he hit the post, it was a snap judgment. He had to act on his instinct. Uh, he had to be very quick. And you could argue he did quite well to get the shot away, really. Yeah, I'm not that bothered about that really. one. Yeah, I think that one was that one was um, unlucky, yeah. yeah. Hilaire, I've got to be honest, I'm a bit undecided. Because he was literally clean through. And part of me thinks, should he just be sliding that past the keeper rather than going around him? You know, I'll make you absolutely right, by the way. It wasn't a miss. He slipped. And and any slip has to come down to luck. But should he have placed that past the keeper in the first place? Probably. But, I mean, it's the benefit of hindsight. You know, how many times did Paolo Di Canio faint the shot and then take it round the keeper and then do the rest? You know, if if he'd have put that ball in the back of the net, we'd be saying what a great goal it was. And the only reason he didn't is because he slipped. So, it's a difficult one to call. But it was so frustrating because we needed that. We needed that big time. I really think that could have changed the game if that had gone in. Yeah, Um, definitely. I think of his overall performance because it's almost like we do a bit of a a Hallow watch now, don't we, weekly? Yeah. Uh, What did you think? Um... I think he's improving. I think he's beginning to be more like the forward that we need him to be in the formation. And I think he's beginning to realize what is required of him a bit more. Um, So I would say his performances are improving. However, I'm still not convinced. I'm really not. I hate saying it. And I am trying and trying and trying to look subjectively at each game and think, okay, he is getting better. It will come. It will come. But, you know, how long do you do this for? You know, how long do you keep saying, oh, okay, he will get there. He will get there. Um, I will say he, he did play okay. Yeah. Um, but I still think he can give us more yourself. I don't think he was outstanding, mm. to be honest. I think the time he, he, he showed presence, I think he does more often than not, to be honest with you. And I've said it from day one when everyone was against him, and I'm saying it now when people are kind of, 
warming towards him. I do rate his link-up play. I do think he's very strong. I do think he always looks to make the right pass. But does he impact the game enough? I mean, yeah, you know, Mazuaka, I think this might be a question later on, actually. So I probably shouldn't go into too much depth. But someone asked a question about Mazuaku. You know, is, is he overrated? I don't think he's overrated in terms of his ability on the ball. I think he's got quick feet. I think he's skillful. I think he's, he's, um, he's pacey. Uh, he's got a good cross on him as well, which we arguably don't see enough of. But despite having those attributes, does he impact the game enough? Does mm. he get enough assists? Does he score enough goals? And I think you can probably transfer that onto Hilaire at the moment. Mm. I do think he's got qualities, but you know, as a striker, you want to see him do what Antonio's doing. You want to see his goals-to-game ratio be on fire, especially in a team that are creating chances now, you know? Mm, yeah I, I i agree with you i agree that is the question does he impact the game enough does he apply himself enough d- d- like you know he reminds me of freddie canute there's something about them that reminds me you know similar size i guess similar nationality um both french um uh, natives but from african um heritage and both they both have that persona where you're never quite sure whether they're enjoying themselves or whether they want to be there. And But technically, you can tell they've got it. Mm-hmm. But, the, but do they impact the game enough? I would argue that Canute was a better player than Alaire. Canute did impact games and did have some really good games. I just... Um, I just think Calais has got so much more to give. And well, will we ever see enough from him to justify him being the only striker? This weekend, we play Leeds. For me, he has to start. He has to because Antonio's not fit. This will come in my section. He has explored other players playing up front as a challenge to Hilaire that aren't natural forwards. But for me, you have to start Hilaire. Um, but we shall see how he does. And he's, but he's got to start, like you say, impacting games a bit more. Mm. What is Ben Rama still not starting? Um, I have to say a bit, say this a bit carefully, probably because people picked up when I said this, uh, something similar about Hilaire, in my opinion, and that's what I'm stating, not as a fact, in my opinion, David Moyes d- didn't particularly rate Ben Rama and didn't want to sign him. I said that from day one. I said that from the start. He wanted Eze, who went to Palace, and Ben Rama was wanted by... Um, other recruitment people in the club and we ended up with Ben Rama now I think he it's also probably a testament to Fornells that he rates Fornells and doesn't want to drop him Um, but I think personally now you have to start Ben Rama on Friday See, I want to ask you more about that. Um, I know you're saying it's your opinion as opposed to ITK stuff, but, I mean, in your opinion, why do you think that he didn't want to sign him? Why why has he allowed that transfer to happen? Because, you know, he's got that that nickname of Divering Day for a reason. You know, if if he's playing around with transfers and he doesn't know whether to sign them and sometimes he holds off, sometimes he goes with it, that surely indicates that he's in control of the transfer ultimately. Otherwise, David Sullivan would just sign a list of players and they'd turn up training the next day and oh, the rest is history. It must right. show that he's 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 got that control over the players. So surely he wanted to bring him to the club, no? 
Well, he did differ, didn't he? Because he was signed after 11 o'clock on transfer deadline day. So, and I mean, I know that came down to the fact that he didn't... Um, <clears throat> there, came, there was complications with his medical. Um, and... That, and now that's why we have him on a loan with an obligation rather than signing him permanently. But we we could have signed Ben Rama at the start of the window, or we could have signed him like you know after we sold Grady, you know. But we didn't. We went right to the very end, and then he hasn't started since then. Um, you know, maybe Moyes does rate him. As I said, it is my opinion. It's an educated opinion, but it is ultimately my opinion. Um, I think he was given the choice of signing him or signing King. Originally, he wanted King, and then he decided, okay, let's just try Ben Rama. I don't think he was overly convinced, but he's got him now, and maybe what in training, he thinks that Fennell's works better for the system. A lot of players and fans have said Fennell's been really good this year, so maybe that's why he may make the change this weekend, and Ben Rama's just got to make sure he takes that opportunity with with maximum um like determination he's got to try and make that position his own now um and we'll we'll see we'll see whether he does it but i think it is time for him to play now i mean you said in the previous podcast that since ben rama's turned up at west ham he seems to be very popular at yeah. west ham amongst the players he's settling in really well do you know from a playing perspective how he's performing in training and how more sees him on a training pitch I think he's done well in training. You know, whenever I ask people, they always just tell me, oh, he's a baller. He looks really good. He's very technical, very good player and stuff. So I think, he, I think he's done well. I think Moyes probably worries a little bit about his defensive capabilities. Now, I'm not saying Fidel's is obviously the most defensive of players. I'm not saying even necessarily that position. You want your players to be defensive, but I think you need to offer some form of protection. And I think he feels he's a bit more maverick so to speak so he offers a lot going forward an attacking player with flair but possibly doesn't offer the workmanship and the defensive side of other players as i say this is me on my opinion it's not factual um that's what i think um but i i just think now that that Hilaire needs someone like him playing off him, playing it to him uh and i think now because we lost you know you can't do the classic, we played well or we won last game, so you don't change a winning side, we lost so I think we should give him a go. Do you know what though it, it does kind of make sense because there seems to be a bit of a trend with David Moyes in terms of the type of player that he likes. If you look at the fact that he signed Jared Bowen, absolute grafter, the fact that he's sticking with Fournells, grafter so, you know, signed Suchek, grafter Shufal, grafter arguably doesn't fancy Hilaire because he isn't a grafter. Loves yeah. Antonio, is a grafter. Well, look at his Everton teams that were so successful. If you were to look through some of his key players during his Everton days, you would say Fellaini, you'd say Tim Cahill, you'd say Jagielka, um, yeah. you'd say maybe Leighton Baines Jelovic was important for him one season, wasn't he? Um, uh, Leon Osman. Um, players like that, none of them, you know, Baines was quite a technical left back, but none of them are particularly, you know, skillful, creative players, are they? They are players that work hard. And yeah. you're right. And I think that fits with the mode that he likes at West Ham. 
Yeah, it seems to be. I mean, even Josh King, I think, has a reputation of being a bit of a workhorse. It seems to be the sort of player that he likes, and he's that sort of manager that just likes a team of grafters. And there's nothing wrong with that, apart from when you sign someone for £25 million, who you probably don't really have any intention of playing. I mean, it's, it's quite frustrating if you're Benny, because to be fair, since he's come on, he hasn't done too much wrong. I think he's got himself a couple of assists. Um, he looks exciting when he's on. He looks determined. He looks full of confidence. And he personally looks excited to get on the ball and try and make things happen. So I don't really think he can do too much more than he's doing. No. Um, and if you're hearing reports that he's doing well in training, what else has he got to do to get a game? Especially when there's question marks over for now who's in that position. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. As I say, it'll be interesting to see if he gets game on Friday. He should do, in my opinion. Yeah. Do you think Jared Bowen gets the credit he deserves at West Ham? Um, he, yeah, I think so. I think he's quite a popular player, isn't he? I think I don't see, I don't ever really see him being slagged off. I would say he, he is popular. I think he played well against Manchester United again. Um, I, I, I rate him definitely. Um, and I think he gets the credit from West Ham fans. Maybe he doesn't get that credit from, um, other fans, but I certainly think for West Ham he does, yeah. Uh, the only reason I ask is, you're quite right, I, I don't see him get any stick off West Ham fans, which is a good thing. But then, you know, on this podcast we often say, um, who's your hammer of the year so far? And I don't think his name really gets mentioned no. in, in that mould. And he seems to be a bit of an in-betweener for me. Yeah, and sort of yeah. slips under the radar a little bit. And, and I think with his work rate, I mean, his work rate's phenomenal. People talk about Antonio's work rate, which is also phenomenal. But Jared Bowen, I mean, he's covering more ground, I think, than Antonio does. And he must be a dream for Shufel helping him out on that wing. But when he gets forward, he's got such intent and he's got such purpose. And I think he's a an ultimate, ultimate professional in terms of how he looks after himself. He always looks fit. He's always available to be picked. Um, and he makes things happen. You know, he's, he's scored goals. And, and I just think he's great in that front three. And uh, I just I don't know. I just wanted your thoughts on that. Because um, I'm not too sure, whilst he doesn't get slagged off, I'm not too sure he really gets spoken about in that kind of high regard that he probably should do. Yeah, possibly. I mean, I, I don't think he maybe does get the adulation that some players get. I mean, but he... I think most fans respect him and like him as a player. I think he um, is one of those players that works hard, always puts his puts effort in, even if he's not having the best performance. He still work hard and tries best, and that sort of characteristics always go down with West Ham fans. Throughout our history, there's been players that maybe haven't been the most technical, but have had the work ethic and determination, and it's made them be popular. Um, and I think he's probably one of those. But that's actually harsh to him because technically he is very good and technically he's scoring goals and creating stuff so I just think maybe because he's not necessarily a, a flair player as such he's more of a direct player maybe that's why he doesn't quite get the appreciation that you're alluding to but I think he um, I think he is still a very popular player at West Ham yeah it's Leeds away next on Friday night um, a game I'd love to be going to in person funnily enough yeah. we were talking about that off air weren't we what a great yeah. weekend that would be that would have been amazing mate it would have. Uh, given that we lost our last game, and prior to that, we've seen three underwhelming performances that, to be fair, still got us nine points. Is it time 
to make any changes to that formation or starting lineup? Um, it's certainly, I think, as I said earlier, for now, Sir Ben Rama, I would do that. And I, I think that would probably be the only one for me for this for this match. Um, and see and tell Ben Rama and Bowen that you want them to get right up alongside Alessa when he's hopefully winning flick-ons. They're going to be able to feed from it. So that that's what I would do. I don't think I would change anything other than that, though, and I would still go in the same formation. So how tempted are you to solve the problem of Ben Rama and Fournells by going back to a flat-back four and having Fournells in that number 10 role with Benny on the left? Um... I think that would be a better position for Fennell's, definitely. But the reason I don't feel comfortable with that is two things. Firstly, who have you got at left back? Have you got Cresswell? Have you got Mazuaku? Neither of which have performed particularly well at left back. Um, on current form, the argument for who to be centre back would probably be Cresswell alongside Ogbonna, which I'm not sure Cresswell can play centre back in a two. Uh, and I think it would be harsh on Balbuena to drop him as well. So personally, I would stick with like the formation that we had. I would just change Ben Rama for Fennels. And I would, like I said, I would tell him and Bowen to be right up there, really sort of trying to feed off a lair, trying to stretch the defense of their pace, trying to get down the wings themselves and put it in for a lair and try and go about the result that way. I agree. I agree. Spot on. Prediction for Friday night? Uh, not too confident in my predictions after the last two weeks. So um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with one all. One all, yeah. I, I think that's that's optimistic in my opinion. Um, I don't fancy it at all, actually. I think the way Bielsa's got Leeds playing uh, is brilliant. I mean, they're so well-disciplined, so well-organised. They play some decent football. They work so hard for each other. And I think he's he's a well-known disciplinarian, but also from um, from a nutritional point of view, from a fitness point of view. So his players are super fit. They all put in a shift. And I think away from home, I think that's going to be a tough game there. I'd love to, to call a win. I'd even love to call a draw, but I've got to go for a defeat, if I'm honest. I, have. I know. And do you know what, as well? On the predictions against Man United, I actually went for a 2-1 win for Man United, right? Right up until I saw the team news for Man United. And I looked at that team and I thought, do you know what? I think we're gonna I think we're gonna nick it actually. I'm confident now. I think we've got a better side than they have tonight. <laughs> so I changed it back to a, a, a two one win. Uh, and then obviously we went on to lose um 3-1. So um, when it comes to West Ham, I'm all over the place with these predictions mm. because as we've always said, they are the most unpredictable team in football. And yeah, who knows? Uh, all I know is it's going to be a tough game Friday night. I don't expect oh, yeah. anything else than that. It's going to be a really, really tough game. And to get a result up there would be fantastic. It really would. But I think them, I think them not having fans at home is a good thing this season, yep. like because I think their fans will be so desperate, and I feel sorry for them because you know they've waited. At a, you know, Leeds are a very big team. You know, when you and I first started watching football, they were one of the biggest teams. That they're, they're probably are the first team I can remember winning the league, uh, the top division were Arsenal when they beat Liverpool um, at Anfield. You know, when Thomas scored in the last 
last minute. Now, from memory, that would, I think Liverpool probably possibly won the league after them. And then wasn't it Leeds that were the first Premier League winners? Um, or the last one. So Howard Wilkinson. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 1992, roughly. And then, obviously, they were they were good then. And then when they had Peter Risdale's money before it all went tits up for them then, they were a great team. You know, when they got to the Champions League semi-final, didn't they? And they had, like, you know, Rio and Harry uh, Kuehl and Viduka and um, Woodgate and Martin and Kelly and Hart and people like that. They had a really, really good team. And so Leeds have always been a great team it's a great away day like you know i was discussing with you the last time i went and i seem to remember lee chapman played for leeds a second debut and i think he might have even got sent off um, against us and uh, that was the um that was the last time i went to leeds which i'm guessing was about 95 96 something like that um and so it would have been great to go back to leeds a good good club i'm glad they're back in the premier league um I know I've got a reputation of being dirty leads and stuff, but I, I like the big teams to be to be there. Um, so yeah, I think them not having fans is a big thing for us. Um, but uh, they are a very good team, and they're playing with a lot of freedom. They've got a great manager. I would love him. No, nothing against Moyes. I, I, Moyes is the man for me at the moment. But if he wasn't, then the Leeds manager would definitely be who I'd be looking at to replace him. Um, so. Yeah, I think I think one all one all was probably a, a good shout. Yeah, I'm with you on Bielsa, by the way. I mean, we've been calling that for a long time, and the one question yeah. that was always put to us was, well, you know, if we lose Pellegrini, then who comes in? And if Moyes goes, and who comes in? Yeah, Bielsa's right up there, and you know, Leeds, how they attracted Bielsa when I was in the Championship is incredible. And do you know what amazes me? I mean, he had a great reputation in football anyway, so it's not as if he's he's come from nowhere. But what amazes me is he's achieved what he's achieved at Leeds and he can't even speak the language. Yeah, I know. It's amazing, isn't it? It's like, he, it always reminds me, do you remember Harry Enfield? And they used yeah. to have that guy and he'd go, <laughs> like, he played for Newcastle, didn't he? And he'd go something like, Andy McGallan's going to black down the Galagam, he's going to go, down the tune, mate. Back of the net, mate. Like, you know, and, and it just reminds me a little bit of that. And I kind of think you're right. Yeah. It, it must be really hard in some ways to get the real like the, that motivational speech, you know, like when you're trying to nail it and get your players excited and you're going to, you know, you really say something like there, like, you know, this is your moment. Go out, lads. Go and give me the best what you've got. Bring it home. That sort of thing. It must be like almost lose its impact if you've got to say, right, lads, go out there. And then, they go, then you have to wait a second and the other fella has to say it for you. You know, it just doesn't doesn't quite have the same impact, does it? But what, whatever is the case, he's done a bloody good job at Leeds. They've got an exciting team. I like watching Leeds. I find them really entertaining. Um, don't like the whole is uh, Calvin Phillips better than Declan Rice stuff that now seems to be um, following them like it was with Longstaff at Newcastle. Um, all these sort of teams like that will always want to compare their sort of midfielders to Declan. And there isn't a comparison in my eyes. Um, but it's, yeah, it's just... Um, 
yeah, they're a good team, and, I, and I'm I'm pleased they're back. They're the sort of team that I like being in the Premier League. You know, I think Notts Forest would be, is a team that is missing from the Premier League. I think you know Sheffield Wednesday is another Norwich, possibly even Coventry. You know, when when you and I first started watching football, I th- Coventry 1987 was it FA Cup winners, and then throughout the 90s they always had a quite exciting team to watch with. Love, do you remember him and? Yeah, yeah, and Huckabee and yeah. Dublin and Hadji, yeah. Chipo, um, Robbie Keane, I think, played for them for a yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they were, like, always an entertaining side. Um, so there's loads of teams that are sort of, I kind of miss being in the Premier League. But, um, but yeah, I, I think it'll be an interesting game this week. Yeah. Do you remember Steve Grizovich, like the ugliest yeah. goal in the world of goalkeepers? He was yeah. Like, Ian Dowie, but between the sticks, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. You know, I've got a, a, not, not the most funniest story, but a, 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 weird, a strange story of Stephen Grusevich. So I got married in um, a place called Stoke by Nayland, which is, well, you, you've been there because you came to my son's christening. So I got I got married there. Um, and we got married at a golf club at Stoke by Nayland. So it's quite, it's like quite a, I guess a, a decent venue for if you like your golf. It's just outside Ipswich as well. So when when teams play Ipswich, um, they, they they tend to stay in that hotel because it's not in the town. It's you know 20 minutes or so from it. Nice golf course, nice facilities. They get in the coach, they play the game. So before we got married, we went to the hotel to um, pick our like menu and things like that and see the venue and stuff and like so I sat down with my wife and the and the wedding planner person and like they're going through the all these details and let's be honest to, to most people listening uh you're not really, uh, the women ladies sorry to stereotype are far more interested in this than, than the blokes certainly mm, experience yeah. me and my mates so i'm sitting there trying to fake interest and stuff and i'm yeah we could do that could do that and i look up and i'm like i really recognize that fella and i'm trying to work out where i recognized him from and then it just suddenly clicked in my head i'm like that's steven grusevich what the hell is he doing just walk walk around the bar and then i'm thinking about it and then the next and then the next thing chris coleman walks in you know the the ex-fulham player and stuff and i suddenly clocked that that was coventry at the times management team chris coleman was the manager and um Steve Grusevich must have been like the coach or the assistant manager and they came and sat literally on the table right next to where I was meant to be planning this wedding so I'm like sitting there and they're, they're talking to me about all the details and stuff but I'm trying to fake this like mm, yeah mm, that's right yeah all oh, that could be good yeah mm, mm. but really my ears listening to what a Grusevich and Coleman are saying <laughs> because, they, because they were discussing tactics they were saying like and obviously I knew a bit about it switch because my my wife is uh, she was an Ipswich season ticket holder was her fans her family were Ipswich fans but I've managed to well I converted her to West Ham and now I've converted her to hating football because she said it's an overkill because of what I do but anyway so I'm sitting there trying, knowing a bit about Ipswich and they say oh yeah we need to mark this player he's a bit weak on this foot we're going to do this and I'm so fascinated by it and, I, and when we got when we got out of the wedding like, we're driving out of the wedding plan and we're driving back and my wife's like um, so, so you're happy with the um, with the the salmon that we've ordered for the main? And I was like, salmon? 
And she was like, "Yeah, we ordered salmon for the main, and I don't particularly, li- I don't particularly like fish." And I'm like, "What? No, I don't want salmon." And she's like, "You said you did." You were like, "Yeah." Mm, mm. And I was like, "Oh, did I? Oh, okay." And then she was like, "And then, and then she was like, oh, I would for the for the start of things, we've got something else that I didn't like." And and I'm like, "Oh my god, what have I said?" Oh, no. and I said, and I was like, "You sure you know that, that we ordered that?" She's like, "Yeah, you were listening, weren't you?" And I was like, "Um." Yeah, yeah, and uh, so uh, yeah, that's that story. But um, so yeah. so, did you make changes to the food, or did you just no, suck it? That's, that's to take really? it. Really, to take it. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I managed to like blag some few things that I liked in the end. But um, yeah, I remember just having to keep quiet and um, pretend that I was happy with all the decisions that I'd uh, apparently made. <laughs> so, oh, my God. The, the, you'd have thought she'd alert by then. And then on the honeymoon, we were meant to, we went to Brazil for the main one, but we were meant to be going to Edinburgh for uh, for that, for our like mini moon straight after the wedding. And it got cancelled because of the volcanic ash. So I persuaded her to go to Chester. Chester, our lovely spa town. We'll go in, we'll go and have a spa and it's really nice hotel that could be your day darling you know don't, you're lucky to be married to me i'll treat you and um, what she didn't know was that where i'd had the chance to choose any town in the whole country because we couldn't go to edinburgh west ham happens to be playing liverpool on the monday so i did those spa things on the <laughs> sunday and she goes right monday can be your day what do you want to do i was like wow it's funny you should say that actually west ham <laughs> happens to be playing liverpool on the monday uh, and i managed to blank tickets and we went to it and we lost three nil and i I remember Benny McCarthy came on as a sub and was the most overweight player I've ever seen. I yeah. ate a pie, I ate a pie at halftime, ironically, which gave me food poisoning, and it was the worst, worst decision <laughs> I ever made doing that. But it was a, it was a sign of things to come. My wife knew what she was marrying into. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mate, that's funny. Good story, right. mate. There you go. Um, Right, okay, so let's have a look at the West Elmway Premier League predictions competition. And after another tough weekend for X, the gap between us has dramatically reduced, with him now sitting 155th on 772 points and just 10 places below him now is myself on and on just 10 points less as well Mm. with 762 points Mm. so um yeah you've had a you've had a tough couple of weeks mate haven't you it's been really poor to be fair it's been really poor and it's funny because you texted me didn't you when it was the Southampton Brighton game and you were like you see you next Tuesday. You've called this one, haven't you? And I, and I actually didn't know what the score was in the in the Brighton game because I, I, I wasn't watching it and I couldn't even remember what I'd predicted. So I was like, brilliant, yes, get it. I must have got 50 points. And then about like 10 minutes later, you were like, oh, unlucky, mate. And I was like, really? I was like, that really crushed me because I needed those 50 points. Yeah. I really needed them. And because like, like I, I knew it was so close. And a couple of times I'm looking at your results and I'm thinking, damn it how has he called that one and, uh, and yeah and it's like it, it's you know to use the phrase that you often do there's a gnat's cock between us <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's true mate it's um i mean it's, hard, it's just nothing well no it, i mean it, it literally is nothing i uh, mean it's 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 less than half a correct score you yeah, know exactly but having said that it's hard to get too excited at this stage because it is such early days yeah. you know uh, we've still got a long way to go but um uh, listen a big shout out to at scotch curran who's always up there by the way yeah i was gonna say i've seen him up there he's, a lot i think he was last season as well really? um, he's there or thereabouts so he's he very should start, start gambling site or something 
Yeah, he should do. He should start putting some money on these predictions because he's currently top. Uh, and then at Tony Close Free is second, followed by a Tom Davies twenty nine. Um, then it's at Tom Jay Davies. It's not Big Tom, is it? Or... Uh, no. Well, I, oh, I say no. I don't know. Tom Davies twenty nine. So uh, if you are at Tom Davies twenty nine and you're Big Tom Davies, then let us know. <laughs> if you're not, that is also okay. Uh, <laughs> we welcome everyone into this competition. Um, but he is followed by at Jay Saywood Jones, who's fourth, and then Simon Anderson is fifth. But in terms of the Fantasy Football League, which to be honest, no one really cares about, so it's only worth mentioning. <laughs> uh, this, this, this week, X got 84 points and I got 68, leaving a total gap of 54 points between us. So that gap is getting increasingly larger, to say the least, but yeah. expected so as well. The bookies have started to pay out on that one, to be fair. The, the, they, yeah, they, I'm not sure. Yeah, they they know. It's done and dusted now, that one. Uh, I've kind of almost like left that to the assistant manager to deal with now because we, we've won that. We're going to put all our attentions onto the football predicting now. Yeah, well, fucking hell, our club's gone into administration. I ain't, I ain't even opened the app for the last two weeks, I don't think. So. Have you not? Least... You've not even done anything. I don't think so. I've just checked it to get the points for the uh, for the show, and that's it, mate. You know, I'm genuinely, and not just saying this, I'm genuinely not fussed about the the fantasy football. If I if I lost to you in the predictions league, I'd be gutted. I'd be gutted, yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. gutted, because I'd love it if we beat them. <laughs> <laughs> so I just find funny, like I always try to, like I've said before, like imagine your sort of team, like, and your sort of your maverick style of management. And I just love the idea of them all sitting in the changing room and everyone's like, seen the gaffer recently? Nah, not seen him for a few <laughs> weeks. Like, uh, do you reckon he wants to make any changes? Don't think he's bothered. Lads, to be fair, should we, should we just turn out as we are? All right, then, as we were, lads, out we go. Yeah. Like that, and then next week they're like, Where the hell is he? And then they see, like, in the press, you know, Dave Walker <laughs> claims he ain't bothered about this. Uninspirational manager ever. And then I, and I've got some sort of like proper nervy press conference where I say it was a misquote, it was taken <laughs> yeah, out of context. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks to Ben Chilwell for taking over in my absence. But I'm back. <laughs> That's right. The thing is, if you, if you, I know what will happen. If you master another jammy win or two, and and you're right up there, suddenly you might start being interested again. <laughs> yeah, but it ain't gonna happen. So I'd say uh, cross that bridge when we come to it. But I think that bridge has been blown up, to be honest with you. So I think you're up and dry even after 11 games, mate. I, I really wouldn't worry. Not that you are anyway. But uh, no, I think that's a closed door. It was nice whilst it lasted, but um, no, I'm, I'm happy to fuck it off now, to be honest. And then secretly work on it in the background whilst no one's knowing and try and get those points back. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This week they announced the winners of the Football Content Awards, where this podcast was nominated for Best Podcast and X was nominated for Best in Social. The podcast came absolutely fucking nowhere. <laughs> but congratulations, Oren Elder for X, because he won the Bronze Award for Best in Social. How do you feel about that, mate? <laughs> um, a bit underwhelmed, really. To be honest with you, and, uh, I'd uh, I'd rather the podcast of one. I'm not just saying that. I'd rather that one because at the end of the day, that's the two of us, and that's like you know, you know, you're my, my best mate. It's a good thing, like that we could have both said together we'd achieved. But um, the fact that they played our YouTube channel in the in the promo video yeah. for our podcast, which has nothing to do with the podcast, um, so 
well done, Corey. And all you've done for the YouTube channel and getting the acknowledgement for the podcast. But uh, yeah, it, it showed. I don't think we're in much of a chance. And to be fair, mate, I've been shortlisted four times now. So I'm like the bridesmaid and never the bride. And um, I got um, and I got the bronze. I think there was I think there might have only been five in my category as well. So it's not like, <laughs> it's not like a, a beat. A beat I, I, heard, I heard there was only three. Yeah, exactly. We might as well have been. And I, uh, so the fact that I came third, I'm not sure is the is the greatest of achievements either out of, out of five. But I tell you what, I, I don't I don't want to sound bitter, but um, that there is a there is a reason that you, like, I'm not saying we would have won either or either us or you know if you think I've had the I've had the podcast. Uh, twice now we've been shortlisted I had West Ham Way shortlisted once for best new blog I've been shortlisted four times so if you add that up that's seven times now we've been shortlisted every time before the award ceremony you get the comp- a company called Snap Media trying to get you to sign up for them which is basically a company that puts adverts on your on your website and you take a percentage or on your podcast you take a percentage they take percentage and every time like we never do it and yet if you look at all the winners of the yeah. football blogging wars that are created by snap media um every single winner has an affiliation so uh, i'm not i'm not entirely sure how how legitimate these awards are but you know not to be ungrateful thank you to the people that voted great glad to come third and stuff and have my my bronze medal um you know maybe if i keep getting shortlisted and nominated maybe in 10 years time i might actually uh get the gold but uh no it's nice it's nice to get the acknowledgement that i came third and you know whether we enter it next year's a, a different Kettle yeah. of fish, but uh, I would have much rather the podcast of one because that's a team effort. Well, it is, and and I agree with you about it not being overly legitimate. I'll tell you one of the reasons is because the podcast came absolutely nowhere, and you were one of the fucking judges. <laughs> <laughs> so how does that work? I know exactly, and I'll be honest, I voted for us on that. <laughs> so, so my, I voted for the West Ham way, and I was one of the judges. So that, I mean, in fairness, I think there was quite a lot of judges, but at least I know the West Ham way got at least one vote because I I voted for it. Um, I also voted for myself as well, the bronze award, to get the bronze award. But uh, yeah, I I don't know, mate. I don't, I don't think. I mean, in fairness, in the podcast award, I think the winners were the Anfield rap, maybe, and I think that. Yeah. I think that's a big, big podcast. I'm pretty yeah. sure second place was an Arsenal one that's that's quite big. Uh, I think the third one might have been United. That we stand, which is a big Manchester United one. And the problem we're always going to have, mate, and it's the same for me with X, but certainly with the West Ham way, is that West Ham don't have as big a fan base as Manchester United and Liverpool. And I experienced this because when I did when I did Chelsea news for a bit in the summer, my my um, followers and my whenever I tweeted something it had far more interaction than my West Ham stuff did, and that's just because Chelsea are, uh, are unfortunately a bigger club than us in terms of followers on social media and stuff. And so I think you're always a little bit at a disadvantage when you're when you go against these guys because I think a lot of the voting is done by followers and listeners voting for you when if you've got like 
I don't know, say 3 million followers as opposed to us where we've got, what, 30,000 by numbers, they're always going to have more of a chance to win anyway. Yeah, no, I make you right, mate. I make you right. But thank I you can... for mentioning it. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, honestly, mate. Listen, at the end of the day, regardless of what you think of the awards, it's it's better than nothing because it's, it's acknowledgement. But listen, yeah. I know everyone listens to this podcast will echo what I'm about to say, but, you know, you're a gold winner. As far as oh, oh, aren't you sweet? Um, yeah. no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm in that, mate. And you know, uh, I, I do think the whole snack media carve up is a fucking load of bollocks, to be honest with you. And I know we sound so bitter when we say this. I, know, I was almost regret, like, yeah, I know. I know, I, and I am conscious of that. And I don't want people to think that because it, it's more of a shame, to be honest, that for the for the few years that we've put the podcast in, it's not really been judged on a fair playing field now i i have absolutely no doubt whatsoever that we we wouldn't have won this year because of the names you've mentioned and the reasons mm. why and they're good podcasts and fair's fair but i remember um i think it might have been last year or even when we went to manchester uh, last year i looked at who we were up against podcast wise and a hand on heart when you look at the guests we've got and the longevity and the and everything else that i believe makes the podcast successful i don't think that there was much competition last year and i was surprised to see that we'd lost that um different this year but last year you know i was i was quite surprised going back to manchester i remember when you were shortlisted and you was in the final for that and you lost and the winner we looked into and he had about 7,000 followers and no one knew who the fuck he was or what he'd done other than funnily enough, he had some sort of association with snack media. Mm. So it's, it's bollocks really. And I'm just thankful because when you get through to this final, they actually charge you to go and uh, attend the award ceremony. Mm. And this year prior to the COVID wipeout, they were actually charging you £125 per ticket to attend. So me and X would have had to shell out 250 quid to basically sit at a fucking table, look at a preview of our podcast, which ain't even fucking relevant because it's on our YouTube channel that we're nothing to do with, and watch some fucking snack media gimp go up and get the fucking award. Well, I tell you what, that's 120 quid fucking better off in my pocket, let me tell you. <laughs> Although, last time, mate, we did meet Neil Ruddock. <laughs> and he saw your twin <laughs> yeah do you know what's funny as well like on the on the last one in the last year again in the competition that i felt we should have won for the podcast bianca westwood was a judge on it and yeah. she told me that she voted for our podcast because yeah. she likes us she's been on the show she's a west ham fan it's a fucking hell like do you know what i mean <laughs> I, we can't do much more other than join snack media <laughs> yeah, exactly that's what we can do mate let's join uh, honestly almost like a social experiment let's just join it this year and see whether we win oh, i bet you would do better that's for sure but um, like as i say the, the real acknowledgement i guess is from the the listeners and the comments we get would be is much better and um you know it's been an amazing thing to be a part of, regardless of awards or not. You know, um, I think, uh, who was it? Tyson Fury. <laughs> I love the comparison I'm now going to make with us and Tyson Fury. But uh, Tyson, Tyson, Tyson Fury doesn't want to be part of the um, BBC Sports Personality of the Year, does he? Because he's, uh, he's said that um, he's got all the accolades he needs. Um, and that's the fact that people say 
good things about him and what he's achieved. But um, I guess <laughs> to, to sound like Tyson Fury, it's the people's appreciation that we're here for. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, very well put, mate. I wasn't expecting that analogy, but I, I'm no. sure people can make some sense of it. And I, I was going to say, yeah, I, I'm not sure I could compare myself to Tyson Fury, really, but, you know, you could give him a good run for m- your money, I reckon. <laughs> Fucking hell, you have a plan. When you've had a few JDs and Coke, <laughs> can take anyone. I've seen you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh mate, that's, uh, that's got a picture in my mind as maybe. Like, <laughs> I mean, that's one pay per view that people won't be parting with their money. <laughs> to be fair, mate, it'll probably be as entertaining as the Mike Tyson one. <laughs> <laughs> right, okay, let's get some bronze award-winning shizzle up in this diesel. <laughs> To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast, Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise, and behind-the-scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. Whether taking a road trip to the beach, heading to the mountains, or driving to the city, summer adventures are non-stop fun in a new Honda. But let's face it, summer trips can really add up. That's why I love the fuel efficiency of Honda. With Honda, you can save your money for other things, like that awesome keychain at the convenience store, that brand new album you wanted, or whatever else your heart desires. New Hondas are arriving daily. See your local Honda dealer and start your summer adventures today. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.